Okay, so talking about two Bishvat, the 15th of Shvat. So first of all, something we don't often think about, but in the creation of the world, there was a very clear divide. As we look in the Psukim in uh, the beginning of the Torah, there's a very clear distinction that the fruits of the trees were made for man to eat, whereas the vegetables were created for the animals to eat. Look very careful, look very, it's very clear in, in the Psukim. Pazak says, Vayitzav Hashem Elokim Al Hadam Hashem, the Lord commanded man, Lemor Mikol Eitzagan Ochel Tochel, from the trees you shall eat. Whereas, later on it says, I've given you all the grasses, And all from all the trees, trees that they, that they have um, fruit with the seeds in them, those are to you to be for food. And for all the animals of the land is all the greenery and the and the uh, vegetation. So we see a very clear distinction that the fruits of the trees are for man and the vegetables and the um, grasses are for the animals. What about mazanos? I mean, they are kind of, they grow kind of like grass. We collect them. Great question. We're about to see in a minute that in the Gan Eden, in the garden, the one of the fruit trees was a fruit tree of bread. They used to make, it used to make, uh, it used to grow loaves of bread. The bread as we know it today, which requires all the work and all the processing, is post the sin of Adam. So that was one point. Second point, unlike veggies and other things, fruit are things that give us a life, not just existence. The, you know, uh, whereas other things are maybe necessary for continued existence, but Fruits from trees, even to this day, are just, they're, they're just delicious. They're just there to make you happy. Mm-hmm. Take a look in the Tosos and Lamed Zayin Amud Aleph. Tos talks about that we make a bracha of Borei Nefashos Rabos. I'll call my Shabrasa Lahachayos Bahem. To give us chiyus, to give us excitement, to give us a delicious flavor you could imagine 
And people have lived like this, uh, hard times, right? Pretty much people subsiding on, you know, some sort of a basic grain, right, just to get by. But fruit are delicious. They're juicy, they're crunchy, they're sweet, they're flavorful. That all speaks to Hashem wanting to give man more than just existence, but life. The difference in life and existence is what? You're saying existence means just getting by. Right, exactly. So uh, happiness, feeling energetic, right? So uh, you, you can... You can subside, you can exist, you can continue to be able to wake up and live, but you don't have a spring in your steps, you don't have an excitement, you don't have a feeling of Hashem taking care of you, loving you from the, the veggies, things that grow from the ground. But the things that grow from the trees are exciting. Uh, so too, man is more alive than other animals. The Pesach says that man will be a nefesh chaya, a living soul. Now, Rashi is bothered because already animals also were described as being created to be uh, alive. So Rashi says... So why is this man is like a man will be for a living soul? Says, that sounds very similar to animals. So Rashi says, yeah, animals say have the same description, but this one will be more alive than all of them. He has the addition of knowledge. And speech, knowledge, the ability to recognize, appreciate, to really uh, understand what's happening over here. Why am I having these delicious fruits? An animal wouldn't be able to ask such a question. Then we just, you know, gobble it up. And there's no, there's no reflection. There's no introspection. Man is able to introspect, and man is able to bless. Man is able to recognize. Man also has willpower to right? We can decide between good and bad in animals. They just do what they just do. They just give their animal cravings. Yep. Yep. Right, but right, but we're saying that we're alive. We're more alive than they are. I mean, we have a more a deeper experience of life than they do. Because we can reflect on the life that we have and we can acknowledge it and relate to the source of life. Um, now, just an interesting observation that I had was if you think about it, so we're saying the fruit of the tree are from man. And fruit of the earth are for animals. First of all, it's very, it's very apropos. Animals 
walk around all fours. When you walk around all fours, where is your sight of vision? On the ground. On the ground, exactly. So it's pretty well positioned to notice the vegetables. An animal could walk by and not notice a fruit above his head. Whereas a man, that he walks upright, so his line of vision is much higher than that of animals. So we actually may not be as good at noticing the stuff on the ground. How do birds fit into the scheme? They're, they're kind of like sitting on trees. Birds, birds are, birds fly. They, the flight is pretty, pretty high up there. And birds are very interesting creatures. It's interesting that, that all the, the brothel for, for a fruit of the tree and fruit of the ground both have free. Well, it's fruit of. Yeah. They're both fruit. Rather than mine or something. Okay. I mean, they are fruit of the ground. Um, but the point is, so man is more designed to notice the fruit of the tree. That's first of all. And second of all, when you're noticing, when you're looking at a fruit of a tree, which way are you facing, Alex? Very good. When you're looking at a fruit of the ground, which way are you facing? Alex, down. <laughs> exactly. So, by the way, I didn't mean to imply one of you this way and the other one that way. It's just uh, Good yeah. house, bad Alex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The dogs also can't look up either, I think. Yeah? Even if animal, even animal could look up, like a, like a wolf can hound, like I think when wolves hound at night, howl? Howl. Howl, thank you. Right. And they howl upwards, like towards the moon or whatever. So even if they could turn their neck, but... But the, but the point is, that's not where their normal line of sight goes. Either there are animals that can can look up, but right, right, they can look up, yeah. But just because they can look up doesn't mean they do look up. Whereas we naturally look that way. So we so the point is, as you're getting the fruit of the tree, you're looking upwards towards the heavens, like we like we have in this week's Parsha actually Parsha's Bashalak. where do we have Klaus looking upwards Shlomo exactly very good in the war with Amalek so Moshe goes up to the top of the mountain and holds up his hands to the heavens and as long as his hands were up then the Jewish people would be looking upwards following the line of movement of his hands and putting their trust in Hashem and they would be successful. And whenever he, he, he would put his hands down, then they wouldn't look up and they would put their trust in their own weapons and they would be um, suffering setbacks in their battle against Amalek. So for instance, when a man is going up for the fruit, they're making the reach, you try to get that fruit. Where are you looking, Alex? Um, to the heavens. You're looking to Hashem. You understand, you're acutely aware that you're receiving your sustenance from where? 
from Hashem. Whereas an animal, which is reaching to get that vegetable that's growing from the ground, is reaching towards the ground, the ground representing physicality. Now, of course, everything really comes from Hashem. Even the fruit of the earth come from Hashem. But the fruit of the tree, not only do they come from Hashem, but it's above you, so it makes you look towards the heavens. Whereas the fruit of the earth is below you, so you're looking away from the heavens. But in this week's Pasha, we also look down with the uh, it doesn't say anything about looking. It yeah, no, happens to be. It's, a, it's on the ground. <laughs> it's uh, also similar to uh, what we say twice a day. Strike one. Like, uh, you should put it's on the corner of your head. Uh, right, right. The trailers on your tzitzis is meant to draw your attention upwards. It's just like the fruit as well. Exactly. Very good. Very good. Okay. The blue string. Why you you don't have the blue string on your scissors? You can. I believe in you. Okay. Um, fine. Why don't we have blue strings? It's a great question. We'll, we'll, the longer discussions. If you want to, we can we can. We can uh, we can have a longer discussion about. It. Okay, so the point is, so we're saying it's an incredible thing that man's food, fundamentally in the Garden of Eden before the sin, was meant to be the fruit of the trees coming from up above us, food coming from above us, drawing our attention to the heavens. Animals' food from the ground below, drawing their attention to physicality because they don't have any. Ability to think, to introspect, to reflect. Okay. Now, additionally, we we taste all the delicious flavors of the fruits, and makes us recognize the deliciousness. Of the learning of Torah, meaning it, it, it habituates your palate to the learning of Torah. Unbelievable Gemara in Sanhedrin, Dav base says the Gemara. Any city that does not have in it fruit growing, a Torah scholar should not live in there. Why? The eating delicious fruits illuminates a person's eyes. It, like we said, it, it, it awakens you. It, it opens up a person's horizons to the fact that life is more than just subsiding, surviving, getting by from day to day. You eat a fruit and you say, whoa. I can aspire for things in life. I can go for something really great. Hashem loves me. So that's uh, that's the the uh, that's Hedron. A Torah scholar should not live in such a city that doesn't have any food in it. We see there's a Gemara in Brachas. 
and tells us that there were these incredibly delicious fruits in the region of the of the Kinneret, of the in the upper Galil area. They were so delicious that some of the greatest tzaddikim, Rabbi Yochanan, Reish Lakish, and others, would travel, would go there to eat from these fruit. And they would eat them, they would reach levels of spiritual ecstasy. And many of the commentators are really bothered with spiritual ecstasy. We're not talking about you know, smoking uh, what's it hashish or, uh, or, or, you know, or uh, opioids, right, from the, uh, from the puppy seeds, right? We're talking, we're, talking about, uh, we're, talking, we're talking about fruit trees over here. So the Vilna Golan explains that they were drunk on spirituality. Having access to this, to this type of revelation of Hashem's love and kindness and goodness made them become absolutely ecstatic. So that's uh, that. It just says it was extraordinarily sweet. Chocolate is not sweet. Chocolate is ter- very bitter. Very bitter. By adding other stuff to it. What's that plant? Strike two. Tastes like honey. Dates. In the Torah, when we talk about honey, we talk about date honey. What? In the Middle Ages. First, it was food. What? 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 It was only for like the king and queen and the people. And then later on it became Oh, because you have to import it from across the ocean. Yeah. So were potatoes. Potato was a delicacy reserved only for Queen uh, Catherine or whoever it was. That's why the All right. Um, now, after man sinned and he was cursed, he went down to the level of animal, as did his food. How do we see that? So the Pasuk tells us, Hashem says to him, and you're going to eat from the grass of the field. From the from the from the vegetation of the field it means initially I told you this is source eight initially I told you you're gonna get to eat from the fruits of the tree of the trees but now that you've sinned you're gonna eat from the vegetation of the field and says the Gemorim Psachim that Adam's eyes filled up with tears when he heard this and he said. Master of the world, is it going to be that I and my donkey are you going to eat from the same trough? I'm going to eat the same vegetation, the same plants, the same fruit of the earth that my donkey eats? So, you, uh, so what? So Hashem responds, He says, if you, because you're crying, I'll have mercy on you. 
And the very next verse says, By the sweat of your brow you shall eat bread. Which appears to be a contradiction with the previous passage. The previous passage says, you'll eat the grass of the field. And the very next passage says, by the sweat of your brow you eat bread. So which one is it? Are we going to be eating the grass of the field? Like animals? Or are we going to be eating the bread? We're taking grass from the field and we're turning it into bread. So that, that, that's not, excuse me. Grass of the field means grass. Grass can be made into bread. So the Midrash is explaining that we have that initially Adam was told you're going to eat the grass of the field. And he cried over that. So Hashem had mercy over him and said, okay, you can eat the bread by the sweat of your brow. You're going to have to work for it. But you can eat bread. Now bread is something animals don't eat. So you can be transcendent over animals. My Rebbe, Rosalind Schwartzman, says a beautiful explanation. He says that it's not that Hashem said, now from now on is bread. Is that it remains that way. Man starts off an animal. Look out there. Animals walking around wearing clothing and speaking, right? But by the sweat of your brow, by the hard work, you can manage to elevate your state of being to being an Adam, to being a man. It's like the importance of uh, circumcision. Like circumcision, when, right? When uh, Rabbi Akiva's executioner tried to trick him, asking him, uh, you know, what's better, man's creation or Hashem's creation? Right. Uh, Akiva, Rabbi Akiva said, uh, man's creation. Right. Because man is able to elevate the physical world. So we we're born with a foreskin, and then, but we're able to remove the foreskin. Right. Very good, Alex. Plus two points. Alec, are you able to share some points with Shlomo? Because he's two and a half strikes in. Always, always glad to share. What? Always glad to share. Okay. I was going to say, we're still eating macro behavior. That's what cereal is. I don't know what cereal is. I'll tell you, salad, no question. Salad. It's recent development. The more people devolve into more animal-like, the more we begin to eat more animal-like food. That's that's for sure true. <clears throat> okay, okay, Shlomo, you get plus one point on this. It's, you're climbing your way out. <laughs> okay. Um, so man fell to the point of eating in a trough next to his donkey because of the sin with the uh, tree of knowledge of evil. Um, food were also degraded because bread, which used to grow from the tree, and it used to grow as loaves of bread, finished, ready to eat, loaves of bread. No need for um, thrashing, winnowing, 
um, uh, sorting out the racks, uh, uh, grinding, sifting, kneading, baking, ready to go, right? In fact, the Gemara Shabbos says that in the future, again, it'll be that we're gonna, that the land of Israel will produce loaves of bread, right? And the Gemara in Bracha says the wheat used to grow, that the bread used to grow from trees. In fact, one of the opinions as to what the tree of knowledge of good and evil was, was bread. That's one of the opinions. Is that maybe why uh, for the Shulchan in the Empire is the idea of bread in the... Maybe, I don't know, maybe. Um, so, so, that, so the... Now, important to think about, what is the whole concept of the sin of Adam taking the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. So the Pasuk tells us that Chava saw the fruit and she desired it. And she thought it was good, etc., etc. So the point is the desire is what caused it. And to this day, food remains the main portal of entry for the Sahara into man. Thank you for asking that question. If you look at source 10, the Pasuk says the obligation to make a blessing after you finish eating. Why? Because lest you eat and you're satisfied, and what's going to happen after that? And your heart will become you will be uplifted. And you'll forget Hashem, your God. So eating is a distraction. It's something that a person is eating and he's feeling good. That's it. There's a level of feeling happy with yourself, satisfied with yourself and being disconnected from Hashem. But of course, like we said, that man has the ability to elevate his eating. Like Hashem said to Adam, you can eat bread by the sweat of your brow. If you work hard, you can eat the way that Adam Arishan ate in the, in, the, in the Garden of Eden. If you work really, really hard, you can make your eating a holy, elevated act. Now, the whole process, right now we're in the Parshas of Shovavim, where we're talking about leaving Egypt, Parshas B'Shalach, when Paro sends us out. So, many of the commentators explain that the entire enslavement in Egypt was a process to rectify the sin of Adam Rishon that he ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, how so? Because first of all, Paro is compared to a serpent. Navi Yecheskel 
part is called the great serpent of the Nile. Just like Adam was seduced into eating Adam and Chava was seduced into eating by the serpent. So to Paro's entire job in existence is to entice the Jewish people into selling them, their, themselves for a nice house right on the bank of the Nile, some delicious fish, yummy veggies, paradise. That's what Paro is trying to do to the Jewish people. He's trying to... It started like that, but then it wasn't, so it was easy to leave. Well, like if you're enslaved, then... Well, how, how easy could it have been to leave when we know that Midrash says that only one out of five managed to leave? Rashi brings it in the beginning of this expression. Yeah, but if life was as good as when they came to Egypt, I'd be surprised if anybody left at all. How many people are becoming Bali Chuva here in America? I don't know. Probably not as many as are leaving. What if, the, right? What if there was a lot of miracles happening? You think we get twenty percent? Uh, if there were, uh, yeah, maybe more. I mean, that depends on how miraculous the miracles are. And how comfortable we are in America. Exactly, and how crazy people's jobs are driving them. But it's a conversation for a different time. Um, obviously, the, the midrash is not going with that. So that's a red herring. We're going with the midrash. Okay. Um, that's number one. The Paro sought to alter the fundamental relationship that we have with physicality. Food, if you think about it, is the fundamental. Is a very direct, clear way that we interact with the physical world. Now when I interact with the physical world, which way is it going? Am I, am I using the food to serve Hashem? So I should have energy and strength to be able to serve Hashem? Or am I becoming enslaved to the food? If you think about the obesity in America, every one of those people, and many people who are not obese, are all enslaved to the desires that they have, the lust that they have for food. They wake up in the morning, playing with their for breakfast. Halfway into the halfway into their work, into their morning work time, they're already ordering their lunch meal. At at right after lunch, they're making plans for dinner. There's more restaurants in America than there are bowling alleys. That's like you got uh, coupons and the deals and the yeah, they got like the the uh, events and whatnot. Right, come come check it out. All you can eat. Wow, all you can eat. Okay, so. So that's the question. Who is enslaving whom? Who is working for whom? Is the food working for me? Or am I working for the food? And that was the, that was the interaction we had with Paro. Try to enslave us. And what do we do? We left 
last slavery to go and to receive the Torah. What happened at the Kabbalah of Torah? At the receiving of the Torah at Mount Sinai? Says the Midrash, Gemara in Shabbos, the Jewish people that stood at Har Sinai, Pascha Zuomosel, the poison that was in our veins from the sin of Adam Rishon ceased. We no longer had that corruption that had been met. Before or after the Hatavagel? Before. Very good. The sin of the golden calf reverted things back to where we again the poison came back. I was going to say, like, did the poison left away? Why did we even do the other sin? Like, I would understand if, like, the earlier uh, the poison that was in there. And why did Adam Mauritian do the sin before he had any poison in him? Because his wife told him to. And why did she do it? Did she have any poison in her? Not yet. No. So you see the free choice pre-existed that. But once they made that decision, then there was like a poison that the serpent injected into them that caused them to die. And that continued until the giving of the Torah, where that poison left us and we were not going to die. But we still still had free will, the same way that Adam and Chava had free will. And we went and we sinned again with the golden calf. And so the poison came back. But the point is that you see that the Torah is the remedy for the poison of misappropriation of the fruit of the world. The fruit of the world, the delicacies of the world are here to help us see Hashem, to relate to Hashem, to have energy, to have excitement, to be alive in our serving of Hashem. And instead it's misused. Uh, Paro entices us and the serpent entices us to misuse it for our pleasures and to become enslaved to it. So the additionally the month of Shvat that we are in. What does the word Shvat mean? Anyone know? Shlomo. Yeah. Which means? No. A rod. The rod means? Rod like as a, like a, stick. a stick, but the sticks can be used for different things. There could be a walking stick that you use to lean on. That would be called a a mishan. That you lean on it. And then there is a stick that is used by a shepherd to whack the animals with to get them to go in the right direction. And that's called Shave it. So shivtecha umishantecha. Heima yinachamuni davadabal says. Shivtecha, when you hit me with a rod, umishantecha, and when you are to me as a walking stick, you help me, 
Hey, Menachem, when you both of those give me consolation, I know you're with me. Sometimes you smack me. Sometimes you support me. That's what a good parent does. So the Lord says that that consoles me. So the word, so the month of Shvat comes from a language of Arad, which is used for striking. Says the Midrash, the month of Shvat is when the plagues of Egypt began. There's different opinions how long each plague lasted, how long the interlude was between the plagues. One of the opinions is that in the month of Shvat is when the plagues began. And they continued Shvat and then Adar. That's, uh, and, and then the first two weeks of Nisan. And, that, and then we left. That's, uh, each one was one week. Four weeks in Shvat. There's three opinions in the Midrash as to exactly how long. Just three. Just three. (laughs) So one of them is one week per Makkah in rapid succession. Boom, 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 boom. Ten in a row. So all of Shvat, all of other, that's four, four, that's eight. Two weeks in Nisan, that's ten. So. The, um, the again the name Shvat the Rad the plagues and with every plague that struck Egypt it was also a process of liberating uh, the Jewish people. Okay, um, so now we're talking about the repair process to the mistake that Adam made. Repair process first and foremost Shavuos of course. Shavuos is the day of receiving the Torah. And that's like Shlomo said, that we bring two loaves of bread. Right? This attempts to restore the power of wheat right, to the way it was before the sin. And on Shavuos is the day of judgment of the fruits of the trees. Not coincidentally. How are fruits judged? Meaning whether the fruits that year are going to be good, is going to be a good season of fruits of the tree or not? Okay. That's what the Gemara, the, 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 the Mishnah Roshana lists different. Uh, but is it judgment for the fruit or for us who are eating the fruit? You're right. They don't you're right. For we mean it means it means it's being judged whether they're going to be uh, good or not, not judged like. That Hashem summons the fruit and interrogates it, and like, yeah. been a good apple. Right, not not that. No. Hashem looks at our actions and decides if it's going to be a good fruit of the tree season or not. Mm-hmm. That happens in Shavuos. What? Well, it's a Mefurish Mishnah. You didn't learn Mishnah Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, I did. Lilanos, I didn't say Lilanos, I said so the fruit of the Lilanos. Oh, okay. Okay. Lilanos um, means as far as Maishe goes, as far as Hanata. Okay. Um, and then Tubishvat, so that's of course 
the month itself, Shvat, every month corresponds, says the Sefer Yetzirah, to different fundamental processes of the human body, different actions that we do. One, you know, some months correspond to speech, some months correspond to hearing, others to sight, and others, the month of Shvat corresponds to eating. So this is the month where you learn how to eat properly. I heard that, um, so we eat uh, to sustain ourselves so we can continue observing Torah and, and mitzvot, but not by here that, no matter how much we try to uh, think that and uh, you know adhere to that, there's always still a bit of ego, uh, regardless, uh, no matter how much we eat, no matter how much how pious we try to be about eating, because there's always like that animal instinct, like to survive, to satiate okay. this physical aspect. Therefore, what? Uh, uh, just just, just a tidbit. Okay. So the truth is, the Rav Tzaddik says that no, that uh, the very, very, very big tzaddikim are able to transcend that. The the one place where a person cannot be entirely pure of any trace of anything is the place where the angel struck Yaakov in the loin area. That is the place where no matter how holy a person is, there's always some level of uh, lust over there. But be that as it may. Um, the now the, the we're going through these partials and we're reading about Egypt being pummeled with the rod. And just like for them, every time the rod hit the Egyptians, it also liberated us in that particular way. It helped us to break away from that facet of the Egyptian society. So too for us, by reading about the Makos and focusing them and thinking about them, it can help us to, to be to liberate ourselves and to be free from those lusts that we have for food as well. In other words, it helps us to regain the proper perspective, the proper experience. How do I align my life with my eating, with my serving of Hashem? Am I living in order to eat or am I eating in order to live? And by live, I mean to serve Hashem. And of course, during this time, by making the proper brachas, and always, by making proper brachas on the fruit that we eat, some people, it happens to work out perfectly that the amount of time it takes them to make a bracha is exactly the amount of time it takes for their hand to reach their mouth from the plate. They pick up a fruit, and then you know, they just make it happen. That the the bracha is over right before. I mean, sometimes right before, or hopefully, right before the fruit gets to the mouth. Right, but uh, but seriously, it means bracha achrona is much longer though. That's true, but the point is, that person is saying, "Listen, I want to eat, and I'll mumble something in order to be able to get the food into my mouth." 
instead of saying, I want to recognize my Creator. I want to, I want to acknowledge the goodness that's being done to me. So I'm going to sit down and make a bracha. My hand is going to be nice and steady. I'm going to be sitting. I'm going to be holding the food in my hand at rest. No moving towards the mouth. Right? I'm going to make a bracha. And then afterwards I'll eat. That's, again, we're talking about reestablishing the correct relationship between man and food. Which is the first relationship that we sinned with to begin with. So that's a tremendous opportunity on this day, in this month, to rectify that. Any questions? Also, why this uh, specific day do we uh, celebrate Tuba? Oh, so this day, the, the Gemara tells us, is the day when the sap comes into the trees. In other words, the trees, although they will eventually bear fruit much later on, but this is the beginning of the process of the fruit making the trees for the upcoming year. So all beginnings... <laughs> Oh, from Shimshel for Hirsch, right? So all all beginnings are have a unique spiritual property to impact everything in, in front of them. You know, um, one, uh, at the day of conception of a child, there's a lot that the parents can do that can make a very big difference. Which one of the millions, hundreds of millions of seed is going to be the one to fertilize the egg. But once the egg is fertilized, there's a lot less you can do. Right? So that beginning is a very opportune moment to impact the subsequent 120 years. So the same thing here, that the trees are just getting going. There's a spiritual power in, in this day to imbue the entire relationship that we have with food and with fruit uh, the, the, for the upcoming year. Then why do we say, uh, say in Shemunayasra, uh, we until uh, not until to be shot? Let's talk about rain. I'm talking about sap. Sap means the tree, so to speak, wakes up Trees in the winter go to sleep. Right? They're, they're inactive in the winter. Winter is very cold. So if there would be sap flowing up the trees, so, so what, would happen to the, what would happen to the veins that the sap is traveling along? If the sap were to freeze? Oh, it would break? It would burst. It's like pipes. Yeah. Right? Some, some trees do break and burst in the winter. Okay, yeah. Maybe if it's like very sudden that the tree didn't have a chance to stop the sap, right? But the point is fundamentally, tree sap stops to flow in the winter. Mm-hmm. And then when uh, when we start already, uh, the temperature starts, starts warming up and the trees begin the next season, this tree starts to wake up, the sap comes in, that's the beginning of the fruit of the next year. That's why it's an opportune moment. 
Okay, Rabbi Isai. Let's do it. Have an incredible month, everyone.